Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm here with Chip Wade. He is an Atlanta native and his building and his blood. Coming from a long line of experienced carpenters and wood craftsmen, Chip began working with his father at an early age and over the years developed an interest in design, carpentry, landscaping, and renovation. After graduating from a degree in mechanical engineering from Georgia Tech, Chip moved on to earn his certification in residential construction while working for an Atlanta-based home builder. Chip transitioned into media in 2007, leading his carpentry skills to the Atlanta team of HGTV's Design to Sell. Since then, Chip has appeared in HGTV's Curb Appeal, uh, The Block, Ellen, Ellen's Design Challenge, HGTV's Showdown, um, another HGTV Design Star, um, Wise, uh, Wise Buys, Oprah, and CNN. As the host, designer, and executive producer of his Emmy Award-winning series, Elbow Room, Chip is there from concept through construction to show HGTV and DIY viewers how to customize their spaces and transform houses into homes that perfectly suit their lifestyle. He has become known for his unique ability to utilize cutting-edge materials, processes, and authentic creativity to craft these large-scale, multifaceted projects. Chip is currently filming a new show um, for HGTV and DIY. Uh, Chip represents several national brands as spokesperson and is the owner and lead designer of Wade Works Creative LLC, offering services in residential and commercial design, architecture, reality, and building one of his some one-of-a-kind amazing stuff. Chip's career is devoted to using his expertise to help people make educated home improvement decisions. He resides in North Atlanta with his wife and three children. Chip, thanks for being on the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I cannot get HDTV out of my tongue now. <laughs> I know they didn't they didn't exactly make it roll off the tongue, did they? <laughs> no, they didn't. Man, DIY is easier. So I don't know why they wouldn't be able to do that. So but I mean, it's kind of interesting. Um, everybody who I've chatted with um in each episode has um a unique ability coming from an early age of you know what inspired them in order, you know, inspired them to do what they do for a living today. So um, love your background. You, you, you do a lot. Um, you have a very specific focus and everything. So I kind of wanted to get down to the nuts and bolts of um, why did you start, um, you know, Wade Works Creative through, um, you know, all of your su success with being a spokesperson to your background, to everything else, what kind of um, culminated to, to lead to that point of creating your own company? Well, I mean, I wish I would have said, I could say that I had a lot of forethought, but everything kind of has a process and finds its own path to a degree. But I've always been a problem solver and I've always been a creator uh, from the time I was really little. Uh, and I didn't know where that was going or what that was going to be. I almost didn't go to college. I had a landscape. I started cutting grass when I was, you know, nine. <laughs> uh, and it was always a hard worker. My, uh, Work ethic was something that I got from my family for sure. My dad would drive me around to cut enough yards. By the time I was 15, I had enough money to buy my first car in cash, which to this day is one of my, what I feel like is one of my greatest accomplishments because it, it it resonated from a very, very uh, young time in my life where I saw where hard work really does pay off. Uh, and that has really propelled me uh, into uh, even these late years of I'm now what 37 <laughs> or thereabouts, I guess I always forget how old I am. Um, 
but hard work really covers over a multitude of shortcomings. Um, I ended up going to Georgia Tech uh, and studying mechanical engineering, but I started doing engineering right out of school. And then I just really loved the idea of being a creator and building. So I became a structural engineer. That's where I got randomly cast on a show for HGTV, which I wasn't even looking to do. Um, it was actually a quite a pay cut from my you know, back office cubicle engineering job that I had. Uh, but I, I really love to be out talking to people and making things. And that's where I spent about the next seven years kind of really honing uh, what I was doing in the home and lifestyle category, which has really been my vehicle moving forward into adulthood of knowing how to design structures structurally, uh, physically, with carpentry, electrical, plumbing, all these things. I was the everything guy. I was the demo guy, the kitchen cabinet installer, custom furniture builder, all those things kind of behind the scenes for seven or eight years before I ended up actually getting my own series and getting a little bit more notoriety, I guess, or opportunity for visibility. And throughout this time is when I saw opportunities where people were like, hey, you know, you've done this a lot. Could you do this for me? And that's where I started my own design build firm. I have an architectural firm. Uh, we have a real estate brokerage now, but we also have a creative production agency. So really right now, WadeWorks Creative has three different kind of silos. It's the creative production, it's design, and it's real estate. Um, and those things oddly go together really, really well um, with all the experience that I have working with different brands, specifically in the home and lifestyle category, plumbing companies, flooring companies, building materials companies, tool companies. Um, it's lifestyle, right? It's uh, it's paper towels to power tools, right? I mean, it's a nice big category. Uh, I've, uh, I started out using a lot of these products, got to know a lot of the brands, and really that's propagated into me thinking about how we tell the story uh, to a consumer of what products are, how they're best featured, and how they ultimately can convert for a consumer. And that really is the lifeblood of my business now is doing that specific thing and storytelling and content creation for brands. No, I, I really like it. I mean, there's a lot of people um, out there that, you know, do, you know, architecture and design and they forget out the storytelling piece. And um, I know that we were introduced um, through Echelon Design uh, for a few people over there and um, got to witness your um, your technology firsthand. So that's my kind of my next question is, um, you know, why is digital interactive technology and product storytelling um, so important in today's times? I mean, especially with um, kind of quarantine going on and, you know, shops being uh, closed down that you can't see things visually or you can't actually take, you know, lifestyle images um, in person. Um, so, you know, how, you know, how have you seen, um, the technology, um, that, you know, if you want to talk about it more too, um, I was extremely impressed and I, we can have a few links on there too of, um, you know, what this technology is with the CGI, but wanted to have you kind of talk about, you know, you know, where's this technology going now, you know, currently and where could it, you know, where the possibilities are that you're going to see. So, I mean, a lot of these different, you know, online shoppable, scenarios and you know virtual spaces seem ultra relevant right now when all of us are stuck you know in our homes but this is what i've been doing for the past three or four years and really the idea is what questions need to be answered digitally in order to infuse confidence in the consumer to purchase digitally 
and to purchase remotely without physically holding a tangible product in your hand. And it's not all the same. There's a lot of different things out there. You know, you've seen, you know, paint visualizers, which actually work pretty well. That was one of the first ones where, you know, you pick a color, put it on a wall. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Um, that's very one dimensional. But what ended up happening is so many people kind of got on that bandwagon of, hey, if a visualizer works for paint, then clearly just slapping up, you know, a visual of a light fixture or a kitchen faucet or a countertop or a chair would therefore work in like fashion. But the issue is that different products require different levels of of information and different purchasing journeys of the consumer and different questions that need to be asked and answered digitally. And so the one size fits all thing for uh, online visualization and online digital purchasing is not a thing. And that's what has, I think, confused the marketplace a little bit and diverged the, the, the confidence of the consumer to be able to purchase more digitally. And so there's been some bad tools created out there that have been, kind of mainstream. So what we really try to focus on is understanding what a consumer needs to know in order to say, I know what I need to know in order to feel confident at hitting purchase off of my mobile device or my computer screen. Uh, and it's kind of a complicated process. You really have to understand the products. You have to understand as a specifier, as a consumer, but then also as a kind of a workflow for all the different products that circle around that one particular product that you're looking for. Like, for example, I mean, Sean, when you go out and buy hardwood floors, very unlikely is it that you're only looking for a hardwood floor of a certain color in a vacuum, right? No, you're like you're thinking about the size of your room, type of furniture that you have in the space. Maybe you're thinking about possibly updating the lighting or repainting some of the trim. Like all of these things matter, but a lot of the tools are so one-dimensional and the fact that it only addresses the single product at hand and not doing it in such a way that really gives you the confidence in what you're buying. So we really strive to elevate the resolution, the quality of visuals that we're looking at, and also the halos around products to be able to give confidence that just because you're buying, say, a hardwood floor, that you know what's going to be going around it and that it's going to look great and it's going to react and that it's going to be budgetarily advantageous for you and your your household uh, to do this project with confidence before you hit purchase. Interesting. So, I mean, the one size fits all doesn't work because everybody has different purchase behaviors. Everybody has a different taste. So, you know, how, how do you create a business opportunity from this technology that you're, you're creating or you have created and you're just, you're building upon, you know, to, to be customizable, but how do you, um, how do you relay that message onto um, the business that's using it or the consumer? So there's a couple of different things. I mean, I think a lot of the success you're going to see in this category is understanding what technology is available to us now that will actually convert what technology is going to be cool to use, but we're not quite ready to implement yet. Um, but where to be patient and what to green light. For example, if I were to ask you or any retailer, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if your consumer could take a picture of their room and upload your product into it? and be so enamored by it that they just are like, oh, now I see what your product's going to look like in my room. 
and I can buy it right here. Checkmate, right? I mean, who is not going to say that that is the silver bullet of what they want? Well, the thing is, is there absolutely are examples of that in the marketplace right now. I would argue that every single one of them are not worth the memory that they're taking up on the on your server because the issue of what we're finding, even with a lot of the large brands that we're working with, is those types of solutions do not necessarily drive point of sale because the level of rendering of someone's individual living room or kitchen or bathroom or backyard is so diverse and it's so non-controllable that the output that we're able to provide a user is not really good information. For example, maybe we'll call it homeowner Susie takes a picture of her living room. Maybe she has the blinds down or doesn't realize that she needs a lot of great natural light or that needs to really clean up the room ahead of time, right? And she takes that inspiration picture with a with her iPhone or her Samsung and it's a you know, it's a 4K image, but there's not good contrast, um, lots of shadows everywhere, and the paint's not necessarily great, and there's kids' toys in there, and she pops in that new $3,500 couch, you know, an augmented reality right into her screen, and, like, technology's cool, but she's like, man, my room is still, like, super dark, you know, and, like, the carpet still sucks, and and... And all these other things aren't great. What we're finding is it's actually a divergence from the purchasing journey rather than driving them towards. In fact, it increases more uncertainty than certainty about a purchasing decision because it actually elevates more questions that don't have answers. So in that regard, once we're at the place where on our mobile devices, we're able to not take a picture of our room, but do a quick parametric scan, which actually will create a three-dimensional model that can be uploaded, we can clean that, remove objects, and then re-render in new products all at once live time, then and only then will we really have that silver bullet that we're all looking for. But the issue is not, can we make it today? We can. The issue is, can our mobile devices that we hold in our hand have enough computation power to do that live? And so really the breakthrough from a technology standpoint, it's when our mobile devices will have the computational power to be able to do that on the fly. And we're going to get there. We're just not quite there yet. So that's really an interesting perspective of creating what I call shiny objects for brands that they think are super cool, but that don't necessarily convert just because, you know, the next brand over has it on their website and you feel like you need it just to keep up. This is a this is something that is widespread even amongst the biggest. I mean, some of the I work with some Fortune 500 companies, and they're just like, we need this because Company X has this, and we don't. I'm like, that's the strategy we're using today, you know? Like, so it's it's interesting when it comes with new technology, the lack of vetting when someone thinks that something is a silver bullet versus really thinking about the journey of that purchasing decision. I believe it's really all about infusing confidence. Imagine if you have confidence and you don't feel like you have to call up your sister or your designer friend or your mom or whoever else to validate your purchasing decision, but you feel like, yes, I feel so confident that this is correct. I'm willing to buy it right now without asking anybody else any questions. What do we need to do to create that environment? And that's the solution. 
That's really cool. <laughs> I haven't thought about it that in that perspective. I mean, I mean, I can understand the um, the load time. I mean, you've mentioned the load time with the technology, especially with mobile devices. That's been very that's been very limiting with a lot of different companies. But it's interesting to know, you know, working with Fortune 500 companies, that um, the only tactic they have is because the other person's using it. Um, rather than the customer journey. So, you know, I'm going to enough grilling with questions, everything. Do you have like an example? Um, it could be, you know, company X and they do, you know, hardwood or whatever. You don't have to name names or anything. But is there, um, was there a company that was like that, that they just had this, um, you know, everybody's doing kind of mentality and you helped, you know, transition to more of that that customer journey of how, you know, focusing on the customer of what they want? Sure. Uh, there's a number. One of the uh, great recent examples is a company called Dow Tile. They're the largest tile company in the world. Every One out of every three tiles produced worldwide is a Dow Tile product, which is mind-blowing. Um, and they have a vast array of products in indoor, outdoor, natural stone, countertops, um, synthetics, um, you name it. Uh, Dow Tile is the juggernaut in the industry. And I worked very, very closely with them, creating visualization strategies, um, curated design experiences. Um, and we created different environments, even one called the stylizer, which allows you to design with bumpers on. So it gives you, <laughs> so imagine like when you go bowling and you have the bumpers come out, <laughs> it's like you have the freedom to throw the ball, but you can do it with confidence, knowing that you're not going to strike out. You might, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have some success. And so that's really kind of the strategy that we use with curating the experience where a user is able to pair things like floor tile, backsplash tile, countertops together in room scenes that look awesome. Uh, but no decision or selection that you make along with another selection is a bad choice. They're already pre-formulated for you from a curated design perspective uh, and from a designer like me that has already said, hey, if you like this, have confidence because I agree this is a great pairing. So again, it's all about infusing that confidence in your purchasing decision. And that's really important with digital purchasing. That is the missing link across the board, which causes us to pause. It's not so much about price point as it is about saying, hey, I feel like I know exactly what I'm getting and that I don't feel like I'm going to get burned by pulling the trigger on, say, you know, $5,000 for the tile, which is a little bit different than buying a, you know, a, a new type of coffee, a creamer off of Amazon, right? There's a little bit more of a, of a, of a hill to overcome mentally with your confidence. That's kind of cool that, I mean, I, I never would have thought about that. Um, and especially, I mean, even in, in the tile industry too, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, you have the smaller product, like very small products that, you know, even Amazon would buy and they're like, they're, they're mass quantity. Um, and, you know, if they lose on a one coffee creamer company or Keurig or whatever, but if someone's doing a mass order, how do they, how do you help, you know, improve that buyer journey? Um, so totally get that, man. <laughs> Well, I, it's interesting to see from a different perspective, from a design perspective of me being in the ad and podcast world, um, you know, what's actually going out on um, architecture and interior design and all that kind of stuff of um, things that we, you know, as a customer, I would never think about. 
um, or as a company, I would never think about. So thanks, Chip, for relaying that. That's actually some very insightful information. Um, so enough about um, stories and, you know, Wade works, but um, it's more about you, um, this part of the the, uh, the podcast. And um, so the first question is, you know, what gets you up and revved, um, you know, to go into work and, and help companies and, and, and do what you do? I love the, the challenge of creating things and to be productive. I, I wait, I'm a morning person. I wake up ready to rock um, because I validate my quality of my day by what I was able to produce, um, which, again, sometimes is a really awesome healthy perspective and sometimes gets me beat up a little bit uh, through the challenges. But I'm also, uh, I love to connect dots. Uh, these are all things that really scratch that itch for me. I love to be creative, but I like to see things made. And I don't like to do the same thing more than once. So I'm always getting up and getting motivated by the pursuit of creating something new. Um, that is what I love to do. Um, that is where I'm most in my element. And whether that is a, you know, a home design you know, for e-com virtual purchasing platform or whether it's just, you know, designing somebody's kitchen, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge to overcome. And I enjoy bringing a lot of different disciplines and expertise from different places and bringing it all into one consolidated project uh, and really being able to help someone in a meaningful way. I like that. So Seems like you do a lot of things um, in the bio and a lot of stuff um, with your company and different and different projects. How do you, you know, the first question is, you know, what do you do as a hobby to kind of, you know, bring a different perspective back into work or if it's the same thing? And then the next thing is, you know, what do you do health wise to um, maintain that um, that kind of work life flow or work life balance? Well, I mean, when you do a lot of things, you realize there's only so many things you can do. And so even those two things that you said there, like your health and your hobbies, there's not enough time in the day to separate all these things out. So oftentimes my health, my health and my hobbies overlap. So, I mean, I love, I'm very physical. I work out every day. Um, I love to do things like play racquetball. Um, I love guitar. I play guitar, played guitar since I was a young child. And that's kind of my release. Um, doing things like music allows me to be very flexible with that pastime. But I also love the outdoors. Anytime I can get a chance to work out and be in the outdoors, me and my wife love to hike. We love to go on like more like adventure type getaways. We have three young children. We just take them and go and get physical activity at the same time. So having an activity that's not physical, I really have very few, um, mainly because I prioritize that being able to have stress relief and getaways and things like that are super important. And so is my health. Uh, and I can't pick one, so therefore those things are going to converge together. Uh, and I find great success doing that uh, and having a partner like my wife, Polly, that uh, feels very similar and uh, has a, you know, affinity for those types of priorities uh, as our family goals is uh, really important. And that's one of the only reasons I'm able to pull a lot of this stuff off. <laughs> well, thanks, Chip, for, you know, kind of diving under the, uh, you know, under the hood, um, knowing, you know, what makes you operate. And so, you know, I appreciate, um, 
you know, talking about your experience, um, you know, even as, you know, from a young child to now understanding the the customer journey um, through design and technology, I think you're, you're, you're um, you know, the, the precipice or the, the main focal point is, you know, the convergence of everything and, and kind of being patient um, where, you know, what, how people, uh, what talk technology and how to pair that with uh, the right audience um, and not diverging. And I feel like um, you kind of, you know, said a, you know, said a really good, you know, story with, you know, with Dal Tile and, um, you know, thanks for sharing about you. I think it kind of speaks to um, your focus as um what you want to do and trying to find as much possibility of converging um, ideas, um, just like how we're doing with Converge Coffee, um, in, in order to make the, the most out of um, your experience, your work, and, and, and you being you. So um, thanks, Chip, for being on this episode. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me.